Hello and welcome to Matamo, a podcast where we explore with you and our guests travel topics that push the boundaries in celebration of the human experience. So Greg, uh, one of our last podcasts, we had talked about uh, this, this initial trip that you took a, across Africa, really the, the big one that kind of changed and transformed your life. And you mentioned this character named Susan, who was a friend uh, from my understanding, Susan became more than a friend, right? And kind of let's talk more about the Susan character. I'm, I'm curious to to kind of pick up where we left off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, she's my wife. Uh, <laughs> 25 years and uh, our three kids. And so, yeah, that was, uh, talk about transformative. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. For both of us. <laughs> yeah, so so we had, we had discussed, uh, you know, she, she, she was in France, right? And she kind of met you uh, in between, right? You did the, you, and, and you were able to kind of figure out the passport and all that stuff. And so, so what happens next? Where do you go next when you guys are together here in Africa? Yeah, well, I got to set the setting again. Just, you know, this is her yeah. first, you know, couple of days in Africa. And this is the kind of adventure, adventurous spirit she has, which, which obviously aligned with mine. And so, um, and she had, I think she went to France after the trip, but she, uh, she was traveling all the way from the States and here we are and we get our visa and we take off and, you know, we took a train, which is an adventure all in itself in Africa. Uh, and we end up at the border of Uganda. We end up on a Matatu, which is a, like a minivan, just kind of decorated with all kinds of, uh, advertisements and loud noise, uh, speakers um, that, boom, quasa uh, quasa music and stuff with people. And then we basically take matatus, we hitchhike, and we, we make our way to Kampala and all the way through to the border of, of Zaire and Uganda. And so it was a, quite the adventure. I don't know how many rides we took and how many, you know, it took us to get there, but we were definitely, it was a venture like, you know, like I'd never had before. And, and we get to the border and, we we end up in, on this bus and we're waiting and, you know, we're just kind of blown away by just everything. I had already been in Africa for a few months, but, you know, it's just seeing it through Susan's eyes and just kind of, it was just, it was epic for us. And I remember being there waiting for this ride on this beat up like bus of some sort that we end up, you know, going through this road that was the worst road I've ever seen in my life. And somehow we make it through, we get to Goma and, you know, we're there to, you know, see the mountain gorillas. It's our kind of journey to see the endangered mountain gorillas uh, of Virunga. And so we, we end up saying, okay, we have our guidebook and we look for this place to get our gorilla permits. Well, you know, we finally find this place and, and actually there's nobody there. It's a little beat up shack. And they have like two posters of gorillas on the on the wind on the doors, and you know we just stand around. There's nobody there, and we wait. And pretty soon, uh, word gets out that we're there, and a couple guys show up, and they're kind of laughing at us, saying, "We don't have gorilla permits. This is not something you can just get at the gorilla permit place." I mean, who would think? So then we had met this kid on the on the ground. Uh, uh, on the street, his name was Michelle. That's a French-speaking uh, part of Africa. And Michelle, he was—he had one shoe. Uh, he was a very poor guy, of course. And we hired him as our kind of de facto guide to help us figure out how to get gorilla permits. So 
together we hopped on back of trucks and we made our way to this uh, park entrance in the Virunga Mountains. And we had Michelle kind of negotiate for us. We got our permits, which was quite the um, quite the feat because they don't just issue them there on the spot. But Michelle talked our way into it, and we actually got kind of chased up the trail by a ranger that uh, was working there that wasn't too happy we got these permits from the other ranger. But anyway, so we st- we start walking, you know, and uh, Michelle he's no longer with us, so we're finding our way to this mountain hut through trail through the terrace landscape, and it was just drop dead gorgeous, just terraced hills uh, through villages up the side of what's uh, one of the largest volcanoes in that part of the, in that region called Karasimbi. And Karasimbi actually blew about a year later uh, on the volcano and it, uh, all of, all those people in those villages had to flee. Um, but we wound our way up and, you know, Susan started getting blisters on her feet, which was not a, a pretty sight. Uh, eventually we find, you know, the mountain hut and we get to spend the night there. They weren't expecting us. So they actually brought a couple of cots out and we slept in the, in the kind of common area and it was a little hut. And then in the morning we got up very early and we started walking. Now we're hiking up through the rainforest through th- so thick that the two rangers that we were with were having to hack with their machetes you know, and, and find our way. And we were with, I believe, four other people. And that's the, was the maximum is eight, the, the amount of people they allow, um, allow a group to be able to find the gorillas uh, just to make sure not to over, overdo the stimulus and, and so forth. So we're going along and we cross these two paths and they're like, obviously the gorillas have been there and, the rangers, the guides had said they, they, two, um, two groups of gorillas had crossed and they actually laid down and either fought there or hung out there for a while. And they basically made like an X across and went two different ways. So we followed one path for a while. Eventually that ran out and Susan's feet were, were just, I mean, I think she ended up having 20 something blisters on her feet. She still has scars on our feet to this day because we didn't come exactly prepared for this climb. She didn't even know we were going to go climbing to begin with on this trek. But so we end up deeper and deeper and up the side of this volcano in the thick rainforest and we're just soaking wet from the vegetation and it's just a little muddy and slippery and we're just, you know, not going to give up, but kind of saying, Oh my gosh, is this worth it? And then just about that time when we were at our wits end, continuing on, we hear that immortal sound. I'll never forget the, the sound of, uh, of the thumping of the chest, the thud, thud, thud from the gorilla. And I mean, my heart just stopped. We just froze and we knew we had come to where the gorillas were. We walk a little bit further and there they were in the clearing. And I mean, it was an incredible moment. Uh, the first thing I did was I, I took off my jacket. It was about the only nice thing I had besides my camera, which is my Gore-Tex jacket. It was blue. And I laid it down to get my camera out. And I started to go for my um, camera. A, a gorilla comes up and grabs my jacket, starts swinging it, and runs into the forest, into the rainforest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So so this uh, 
so one of the Rangers went, he laughed and went and negotiated it back somehow. So meanwhile, I come over and I'm, I'm like, he's getting my jacket back and I reach down to get my camera out and I have this big hairy arm come around me and actually tap on my watch. Um, and I look and I didn't, I froze and I look around this massive gorilla just staring at me. And so then, you know, we got to spend this glorious hour which is the maximum amount of time that you're allowed to spend with the gorillas. Um, I think there was about 15 to 20 gorillas. Susan, I think the number was more like 12. I, but whatever it was, there were little uh, youngsters that were incredibly inquisitive and f- goofy and fun. They were swinging from vines. I mean, that sounds like a movie or something, but they, they were swinging and doing somersaults. They were showing off for us. The mothers were kind of very interested and the silverback he was off on his own and watching us from afar this massive guy who i kind of forgot about uh until later and so as we were there you know there was one moment there was two australian women that were part of the group and one of them had somehow managed to get on her back uh i don't know how this happened but this gorilla got on top of her and it was this moment where the guard was, uh, the ranger was there. And, you know, we, he wasn't really afraid or anything, but you could just tell that the girl was like, what do I do? And of course they tell you, don't look him in the eyes, don't smile, don't scream, just look passive. So she was doing that and the gorilla was on her. And then kind of, it was a, just this quiet moment. And then you just could hear and the gorilla peed all over this poor girl. Um, oh my gosh! Long way back, they had, they, had, they had come all the way from Rwanda, uh, uh, so they uh-huh. had like a multiple multiple hour journey back. And and she said, "I didn't bring a change of clothes." So, but anyways, we had a, a great time there. And <laughs> it, it just went on. That hour just seemed was you know uh, was was unbelievable. But and when we were getting ready to leave, uh, we went over and we were trying to kind of gently go by the the silverback and there was a guy next to me and out of, you know, really nowhere, like pure movement, the motion from point A to point B, there was no wasted motion. That grill moved, that silverback charged and just bumped the guy next to me, bumped his shoulder on the way out, uh, to, uh, out away from where we were. And that was how we ended this incredible hour. And so the group's leaving and they're really serious about that hour. Or so, uh, we're going out and I was kind of lagging behind as I tend to do. And I, I came across a, another uh, gorilla female there that was uh, just sitting there kind of outside the group. And I stopped and I looked at her and I, I made eye contact. <laughs> I don't know. There was just this moment. I don't know if it was love or no, I don't know what it was, but there was just a moment of like um, a connectivity, you know, to nature. You know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. primordial, like, Primate to primate, you know, just right. just this, this intense moment. And I remember hearing the guards, uh, or maybe Susan, hey, come on. So anyways, that was the last moment uh, of that adventure uh, with the gorillas. And then we walked out, and of course, you know, Susan's feet were, you know, quite uh, the, the issue. But we went down all the way down the mountain that day, and we ended up at this town called Rashuru. Before we got there, we had to hop on the back of a flatbed truck with about you know forty or fifty people on the African 
people are just, you know, they climb on there, they give very little, you know, amount of money to be able to, to ride. So we gave our little amount. And Susan was pretty tired at that point and exhausted and as I, as I was too. But she, uh, I think the fumes from the back of the truck started getting to her and she was ready to pass out. Sometimes it takes forever for a truck to, to finally go. But once they go, they don't want to stop. I finally talked the driver into stopping, got her off the truck for a few minutes and got back on. We got to this place, this town called Rishuru. And when we got there, we stayed this place that was probably about three, four bucks a night. And we had had no food. So she sent me on out on this mission to find food. Well, I end up at this place that had chips or French fries. And actually, they were cold by the time I got them back to Susan. Uh, but that was our dinner that night. And in fact, uh, we noticed that under the bed were uh, red ants that were had a couple of streams of red ants going underneath, lines of red ants that were uh, not the f- most welcome sight. So then that next morning, uh, we were going to leave to go back into Uganda to try to find a ride. And we were told that the one ride that week, the one ride, was that next morning at 5 a.m. And so uh, I was so tired. She was trying to wake me up, and I was just slow getting up, and we missed our ride. So we were therefore stuck in this place called Roshuru, this town. It was the sleepiest town, no vehicles. We were sitting on the side of the road. Uh, and I remember one time there were 17 people I counted just standing there staring at us. And I'm like, you know, like, oh, my gosh. So through one thing after another – we found uh, a couple guys that had motorcycles. And I should say that Rishuru, one year later, becomes the largest refugee camp in the world that the world had ever seen after the Rwandan genocide. So we were one year, just a few months before the genocide. And actually that night we heard machine gun fire. And then we later that morning in Rishuru read that there were uh, – a number of people killed uh, not too far from us. And Susan and I, then after the, the genocide happened, we thought, wow, those were that's kind of the beginning stages of this, this uh, massacre, this genocide. Of course, it was in the Congo, but um, it, it bordered Rwanda. So we get on these motorcycles. In fact, she got on one with this guy, and he takes off, and she's just gone. And I'm, I'm like, get on the back with the next guy, and, I don't see here until we get to the border, but it was uh, it was an incredible journey back through that road with potholes as big as trucks, you know, and uh. when we get to the border, and I remember seeing her there, and I took a picture of her like when I got there, Susan, and uh, we just laughed. We just had this incredible day, incredible experience in, in the Congo. Uh, it was a very wild part, and then we, of course, had to hitchhike in Matatu and training it all the way back to Nairobi where from there we went on to go on several safaris and, and have lots of other adventures. Wow. So, I mean, quite, quite the story and, and, you know, just to, to veer back to the, to the, um, the, the gorillas. Uh, okay. One curious about the eye contact. Is that, uh, why, like just for, for those of us who, who haven't like interacted with gorillas, is it, is the eye contact, are they worried about they're going to attack or something? Like why, why can't you make eye contact with them, Greg? Well, it's the same thing in, in the animal, all across the animal world for the most part, yeah. like with your dog, your dog, you know, 
it's habituated to you and, and you know, you love and, and care for him. So he'll look you in the eyes. But if you see a dog that, you know, and you stare at them and they stare right you in the eyes, there's very some possibility for trouble. So that eye contact across the animal mm-hmm. kingdom in general is a you know important aspect. And so with, with the mountain gorillas, there is some dispute about that. There are some that think that that's not always the case that you can look them in the eyes. But anyways, I've read, uh, but for the most part, you know, you want to, you don't want to show aggression and staring uh, an animal in the eyes is aggression. It's also a form of dominance. It's a form of, Got it. Um, you know, so, so you want to look passive. You want to not show your teeth. So you're not showing your canines, you know, you're, yeah. yeah, you're, yeah. You're, and so especially in the, in, in the primate world, those, those are, because we're yeah we're, we're we're viewed as another we're another animal in that in that uh, in that world. I know what you mean, right? Yeah, so but they're very gentle creatures. I mean, the vegetarians, you know, they're they they're habituated to humans. They see people coming through there, but uh, and and I've been again in in of course in, in Rwanda where we where we go and um, you know it's just it's amazing. They have different levels of of hikes, and uh, you can you can go on and and to spend that hour is you know, this is really something. And it's really the journey to get there too. Right. Yeah. And, and so, well, I, I think that's so, I mean, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're sitting there, like you mentioned, have this, this natural connection, a primate to primate connection that, that is just so cool. I, I, I gotta believe that's almost sort of ancestral in a weird way. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Wow. Well, Greg, I think this is fantastic. We've, we've, uh, I, I, I feel bad for Susan's feet, you know, genuinely, it sounds like, it sounds like a lot of, uh, so maybe anybody that goes to, goes to one of these trips, you know, maybe, uh, pack some extra socks or whatnot. Um, but, but yeah, I think this is, this is really cool. And we'll, we'll pick up on our next podcast. I know we've got, we've got plenty more to talk about on, on your journey through the Congo. And you really, you, you, you butt up against some pretty dangerous moments, right? Once you get to that border town. And, and so I think it'll be interesting for us to kind of talk about that too in our, in our next podcast. Greg, thanks again, as always, for joining me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Those of you looking for more information, go to metamo.travel. at M-E-T-A-M-O dot travel. Or email us at hello at metamo.travel for more information. Everybody, until the, until next time, have a great rest of your week, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon.